Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including Anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Working Fans Podcast, we're back. First is yes. it's the man they call Dave. We got AJ Strange Brew in the house. And today we're talking prospects. Who's the bigger potential star? All right. Now I got votes over here. AJ doesn't know about. I do. Today I'm taking the argument of Keith Lee. And AJ will be taking the argument of Jungle Boy. Last time we did this, I believe AJ started off. So I will do the honors. Yeah, I'll start, start it off. I'll start it off this time. I got Keith Lee. Here's the deal. Keith Lee, a Amazing big man in the sport. He does things that nobody else can do. He's better on the mic, although I'm not saying that like by a mile wide. That's my opinion. At the end of the day, as long as Keith Lee doesn't get injured, which there is more of a chance with a guy like his size and his style, as long as he doesn't do that, you know, he's got the more potential in my opinion. Now, before I give you a rebuttal here, I again want to go to Scott on this one. Scott just wrote, this guy is so in-depth. It was almost like having cheat notes. I got to tell. All right. So here's what Scott had to say. I'm biased in saying Keith Lee. He points out he's biased. But it's also unfair since they are two different animals. Keith is so rounded for well-rounded for a big man. He could have been this generation's Vader if he had been booked as a heel. He's super charismatic and has a lot of experience. I think him showing how agile he is could have hurt him a little because it'll be expected. But his promo, promo skills are way better than Jack's right now. And he's more captivating to watch because he shouldn't be able to do the shit he does. However, Keith is probably coming into his prime now where Jungle Boy is still super young, in great shape, and is already stealing shows. Just a few years in and so much potential. I appreciate AEW being subtle about reminding people that he's Luke Perry's kid because he doesn't need that to be over. Other companies would probably use that stuff to hype him. In short, Keith Lee checks all the boxes for a huge star now, and Jungle Boy could be that big investment somewhere down the road. Well done, Scott, again. AJ, though, Jungle Boy is your boy here in this argument. What do we got? 
Absolutely well done, Scott. Always love to hear from Scott. Now, here's my rebuttal. We're talking about who's the bigger prospect. Keith Lee is in his late 30s, mm. and um, <laughs> Jungle Boy Jack Barry is 22 years old. So going into the future, I mean, double-check that for me. I could be wrong. Keith Lee's 35. <laughs> that would be mid to late 30s. All right, well, not 38. <laughs> but still, 35 years old compared to, I think, Jack Barry's 22, if I'm correct. I'm going to find that out. He is 23. You're pretty close, so. Yeah, so you're talking about somebody being in their prime Mm -hmm. when they should be in their prime compared to somebody who actually is a prospect and somebody who has has a lot of future. Right. What I like about Jungle Boy is, I know we've already Mm -hmm. touched about the fact that his promos are not there quite yet, Mm -hmm. but in fairness, he really hasn't talked. The Jungle Boy character at first when they brought it out was not supposed to talk. He was supposed to be coming out of the jungle and not him and the dinosaur, Luchasaurus, Mm -hmm. that they weren't supposed to talk. And that was the whole gimmick that they're from the jungle and from the... So I can't really hold that against him yet. What I have seen is him interact with MJF. I've seen him interact with Cody Rhodes. And he has held his own in both situations. And he has looked phenomenal. Does he now? Here's what might be holding him back, and I'm going to argue against him in this one situation. Hmm. AEW, he's got a bright, bright future because they're not going to hold his size against him. Right? Does he have a future at all in a place like the WWE where Keith Lee is exactly what they're looking for? That's debatable. However, he's so young, Vince could die. Yeah, and they could, or they could just pump him full of steroids and <laughs> make him look like freaking uh, Benoit. That, that would never happen. Never happen. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Anyway. Allegedly. Allegedly. Sorry. I guess the thing I'm struggling with here, and I have decided Keith Lee, is almost like how do we define prospect, right? Because, I mean, like Scott said, Keith is kind of like the better talent right now. So you could say he's the better prospect at this point, but we don't know how many years these guys have. But on paper... It does look like Jungle Boy should have more years ahead of him. A lot more. And that's where I'm going at this with you. Yeah. Is that, to me, the future prospect is, what do you have five years down the road? Mm-hmm. Well, five years down the road, I have a guy who's over 300 pounds, who we saw what happened with Vader, who was incredibly agile. We saw mm-hmm. what happened with Bam Bam Bigelow, who was incredibly agile. When you have a lot of weight on those joints and you do those amazing things, eventually the wear and tear on those joints is going to beat you up and is going to hurt you because nobody beats father time. So when it comes to being a prospect for the next two years or three years, four years, I think Keith Lee's absolutely amazing. They mm-hmm. should get him to, I love having him in NXT, but he needs to be in the on Raw or on SmackDown sooner than later. Yeah. If, if they want to use him in that capacity. He's a guy, we don't necessarily like to see guys move up sometimes, but no. with Lee, I feel like, I think we both agree, he's a guy we could see believable beating guys like Brock Lesnar and being that next level, and it's almost hard to mess him up. They could. Here's the, pro- Here's the problem. I love Gargano, and I'm going to use Gargano actually as sure. an example when I talk about um, You can use Ciampa too, probably, but I know what you're going to yeah, say. And, but I'm going to use both of them as an example when I talk about Perry after, about Jungle Boy. But right now, I'm going to actually use him as an example as to why Keith Lee needs to move up. Keith Lee, unfortunately, due to his size and abilities, mm-hmm. is not believable against either one of them. When he's in there with Gargano, I believe that he literally could kill Gargano in about three seconds. (laughs) Because, not just because of his size, 
ways, but because of his speed, his agility, the fact that he moves fast enough where he can actually catch Gargano, it's it's not like Rey Mysterio against Big Show where you're like, there's no way he could actually catch him. Yeah, I like that you throw that in there, whereas anyone who knows AJ deep down knows he has a biasness towards short people and doesn't believe they have believability, but that's okay. I know where he's getting at with this. Again, at the end of the day, you know, AJ was good enough to say in the last segment that uh, he did have to concede Brett over Perfect. This segment's a little closer. I think AJ really is going to stand behind Jungle Boy in this one. Oh, I absolutely Yeah. And I think that's because that's how you define prospect. And that's a little tough for me. I want to be the gentleman, just, but it's so tough for me just like to say I, I want to be real. So it's like, so in the next five years... Here's if we're thing. arguing who's going to have the better all-around career, okay. to me, I don't think we can argue that yet because Jungle Boy is so young. Right. And I don't think he's done anywhere near enough to show us what his career will be. Mm-hmm. But what we're debating right now is who's going to be the future prospects. Right. To me, Keith Lee is not a future prospect. Keith Lee is now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's tough because he just they need to do something with him. And they could be soon. He's got a yeah. thing coming up. They might put both straps on him at NXT, it looks like. It's a possibility. But unfortunately, once again, at his size, he's one knee injury away. He's yeah. one one sore body part away from being done. So and- the ultimate thing for me here is how we define prospect. At the end of the day, you're selling. Okay, so if this was a stock, I guess I would buy stock in Keith Lee right now because I'd be looking to get that quick payday. But if I was just so- look, if I was going to be there for the long haul... Jungle Boy is definitely a guy I'm going to invest in because it's. Like, I was going to say it's two different investments. One right. is a long term investment, and one is a short term investment. Right. If you're looking for that short term dividend, Keith Lee definitely is the man to go with right now. But once again, we've got Jungle Boy versus MJF coming up, and I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to that freaking match. No, those guys are going to tear the house down, and that could be one of the great rivalries, I think, that we're going to see as time goes on with this. Again, I do want to read. One- one more vote. This was from our producer, Joe. Got to include Joe in this. Oh, did he pick neither? He picked Lee this time. He actually picked Lee. <laughs> he said, even though he said it's not a big deal, he said Jungle Boy has the famous last name uh, to give him the boost. Lee has made a name for himself, though, by sheer talent. The rare athletic big man that can do it all. Wow. I don't so- think that's fair. Yeah, I think it's just tough. I think, but that's a lot of people are going to say. It's like, like I had another vote, too, where people just said Lee has proven so far. So here's what I'm yeah, going to do. But that's not what we're talking about. Right. We're talking so, about prospects. Right, we're talking about prospects. So here's at the end of the day, I'm going to say this prospect conversation might not have been a fair <laughs> shake at the end of the day as a topic. Well, that well, wasn't the plan, up, but I think that's what happened here. Well, this ended up being career versus career. In a way. <laughs> and not prospect versus prospect. Right. So I'm just going to uh, call my, I'm going to just chalk it in. I won't, I'm not going to concede this week. I will concede at times. So we'll see as time goes on. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm not going to say, I'm just going to, I'm going to fold on this one. I'm, I'm getting out either way. I'm not going to, I'm going to pull the show. <laughs> I'm going to make a decision here. Wow. Because I don't think it is fair, but I'm going to go to the votes. The votes will decide. The fans will decide. And Keith Lee won this week 6-2. to two. But I wow. think, again, I'm going to give AJ his due. I think a lot of that has to do based off what he's done now. And if we're defining prospect, yeah. that's where we're getting. Now, here's the thing. Keith Lee could defy all odds and have another great career of 15 more no, years. No, maybe he does. Right. And I hope. Let's be clear oh, about sure. something. Yeah. Let's be clear about something. Oh, yeah. I hope he does. I believe you. I, I love Keith Lee. Right. Not only do I love Keith Lee, I love him with me at Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I, he yeah. doesn't have that thing you don't like, that disease, you know, short. 
Hey, not everybody can catch that. I, I, I got vaccinated as a child. I ended up at about 6'3". The only reason why you're actually a big Jungle Boy fan, too, is you actually, even though you're a wrestling guy, a pure wrestling guy, you actually loved his dad. You were a big Luke Perry fan. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing, because people are going to think I was a Beverly Hills 90210 fan by you saying that, and that yeah. is not actually the case. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that his dad came across almost like a new generation James Dean, where he was the every guy kid who just um, seemed respectful. The whole reason his son got into wrestling was because Luke took him to go see those shows down in California right. for PWG and stuff like that. Yeah. He actually loved wrestling. He did. Don't. Yeah. So anybody who supports wrestling like that is, I'm always going to be a mark for. Yeah. Let's be clear about that. Super cool. Super cool. All right. So that's it. At the end of the day, the fans voted for Keith Lee. By the way, the two votes for uh, Jungle Boy, the St. John's, Jake and Zach coming through for you in the clutch. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) By the way, all three of us that went for the smaller guy, all well over six feet tall. <laughs> yeah, the tallest guys, I would probably say, <laughs> in this whole group of fans, yes. <laughs> all right, folks, that's it. Working Fans Podcast. We are limitless this week, and we're out. Nice, I like it. <laughs> all right, so we'll do like what we just did, but except this time I'll hit record. <laughs> Yeah, the, music, the music, the music got to me. <laughs> what the fuck? But the music gets to us all. Mm. All right, everybody, welcome back for another week of the five three one, where we take our top five list on a particular subject vote it down to a top three list and then further debate that down to the number one of that week's particular subject dave you got a pretty interesting topic for us this week can you tell the people what you came up with we got the top five greatest tag teams that never reach their full potential so teams with a lot of talent a lot of potential but they just didn't quite make it as far as we had hoped those are top five tag teams that weren't the greatest <laughs> They had the greatest potential, though, by God. Sure. All right, Dave, why don't you give us the first list that kind of to give the people an idea of what we're looking at for a topic? Yeah, I'll give you an idea what you're looking at. I'll start off with Scott from Voluntown. We got the Rockers because they technically never actually won the tag titles in the record book. It was never acknowledged. Um, by WWE, I mean. I know Adrian's going to talk about AWA, so let me beat that right there. <laughs> the Hollywood Blonde, Tillman and Austin. Doug Furness and Phil LaFon and Paul London and Brian Kendrick. And I feel like Scott must have sent me another list, another team, because that's only four. So, Joe, fuck you, uh, your list, and I'm going to go find out what's going on. Wait, whoa, wait a minute. Before he goes with his list, I want to say something. Go ahead. Phil LaFon and Doug Furness may not have reached their full potential with WWE, and this has not reached their full potential with WWE, to the best of my knowledge. The list that we're doing. They were absolutely incredibly over and were maybe one of the greatest tag teams in Japan of all time. So they did reach their potential, just not in American market. I just want to touch that real quick. And I have to agree with the Rockers, too, because given Shawn Michaels' talent and Marty Jannetty's potential, they should have been a lot bigger, I think, than what they were. Plus, Marty Plus, Marty Gennetti's willing to kill a motherfucker to get over. 
<laughs> and for the record, I thought it was to not get his had. dick sucked. Oh, or to not have to suck a dick. I don't know which way it works. Either way. The other team was the KM connection. Scott, I'm sorry. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Chris Zauha from Illinois got us a list. He's got the Hollywood Blondes, the 92 93 version. He has Haas and Benjamin, American Alpha, Power and Glory, and Arn and Bobby. Can we just say for the record as these lists come out, and let's specify when they say the Hollywood Blondes, they're talking about filming it off. <laughs> really? They're not talking about the 70s version of the Hollywood Blondes, huh? Well, because I know you might bring them up. <laughs> so. I can't wait till AJ brings up the uh, Hackenschmidt team. You know, the one off at the World's Fair in 19. (laughs) All right, Dave. Um, I do want to clarify. I do want to clarify one thing. There's a big difference between a team not reaching their potential because of injury or not reaching their potential. Like I heard the Can-Am Connection mentioned. And the reason why the Can-Am Connection didn't work out was because Tosink left for WCW. So there's a difference between injury and somebody leaving the federation and a team that actually stays together and just doesn't reach potential. Oh, yeah. We're going to see way, a whole variety of that. Before I read the next list, I just want to say a quick Tom Zink story if you never heard it. Tom Zink was working in the Mid-South Territory, and his father had passed away. And he told Bill Watts, I just can't do this one shot. I'll be back in like two weeks. My father passed away. And Bill Watts responded, looked at this man with all the kindness and compassion in the world, said, I didn't know you were a flake. Get the hell out of here. And then apologize to the jobber who had to do the job. And I'm saying, I'm sorry I made you do that. Boy. <laughs> Bill Watts was a great man. <laughs> Very humanitarian. He's still alive. He about his <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> also, I want to make sure that we realize, also not a racist. <laughs> right. Anyway, <laughs> as Ron Simmons said, well, he didn't show me the hood. <laughs> All right, who, Dave, who's ne- who's you, who do you have next for a list? We got Jake from uh, Grizzle, Jake St. John. Author uh, and friend of the show. The Hollywood Great friend of the show. Hollywood Blondes, The Rockers, Power and Glory, The Skyscrapers, Sid Vicious and Danny Spivey, and The Killer Elite Squad. Oh. Ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. All right, the next list I have is from Kenny Culler of Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group. He's got Eaton and Regal, Superheroes in Training, Chuck and Billy, and Team Angle. He only gave us four. Dude, that Eaton and Regal is worth two. That's worth two? (laughs) The blue blood. Absolutely love that. That's the second time that Eaton has shown up on the list as part of two different teams. He'll be shown up again. (laughs) Dave, who do you have next? We got Zach St. John, the enforcer of the St. John, the baby brother. He's got the Hollywood Blonde, America's Most Wanted, which I really like that because Storm and Harris were also a very good team. Everybody always thinks about beer money, but Harris ended up leaving early to go to WWE and became Braden Walker. Well, that's another story. Pretty wonderful. Paul Roma and Mr. Wonderful. That's a good one. Uh, The Skyscrapers again. And he's also got Chris Candido and Lance. We said he just loved that team and wish they would have done more with them. First of all, great list. Second of all, I'm pretty sure he prefers to go by as Booger Red. Booger Red, yeah. According to Eddie Mansfield, anyway. apparently. But Tim Hartford brings us a list. He's got the British Bulldogs 
And he says that's because of the Dynamite Kid. He's got Harlem Heat, and because they were only in WCW, if they brought him over to WWE, I do admit they could have, with the right push, been major. He also has Haas and Benjamin and says that they existed when WWE wasn't taking tag teams seriously. Tyson, Kidd, and Cesaro would have been great if they stuck together longer. And Kai and Ty. Yeah. um, Harlem Heat was tag team champions during a time period when WCW was beating the ass of the WWE. So technically, they were over more than any team in the WWE. Oh, that's a good point. Well... I mean, you're, he's right to a point. I do want to say the New York New Age Outlaws were about to take over that scene pretty soon, and they were pretty damn over. Yeah. Uh, which one had better wrestling skills? I just said who was more over. That's all. I don't, get, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> no, that's what it's about. <laughs> all right. Who do you got next, all Dave? Right. We got long-time original listener, Dave One, Randy Osga, and he's got a list for us, and here it goes. The Hollywood one. I feel like I know where a lot of these lists are going. The Thrill Seeker. That's a good list. Right there. Chris Jericho, Lance Storm. Solid team. I like this team being on the list. The Faces of Fear. Ming and Barbarian. Couple horses, couple badasses. But for whatever reason, neither one of the companies ever pushed these guys to the moon. The Rockers. And here's one you'll love to. Road Scholars. Cody Rhodes. Oh. Damian Sandow. Both That's nice. Yeah. I like that. I like to picture Randy Osga literally wiping the milk off of his hands from the cows to type to you these these lists. Randy, that's your man right there. <laughs> that's your CM Punk. All right, speaking of wilp- wiping the milk from his hands, we got Jesse from New Hampshire. He's got Eminem, American Alpha, Haas and Benjamin, Doom, and Gallows and Anderson in WWE. I like he specified WWE because, like AJ was saying earlier, very successful first in the Fawn were Japan. Clearly, Gallows and Anderson were very big in Japan. So I like the specification. I like the fact that two of his teams were tag, world tag team champions on multiple occasions in the WWE and they didn't reach their full potential. Could have been more, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, who do you got next? I got the last one besides me on this list, Michael Flynn. He's also got Doug Furness and Phil LaFon, and he made sure to say this. Actually, Scott did, too. They probably could have gone further in WWE had they had more personality. Or had they been over five foot ten. They were both obviously great athletes. <laughs> he also has the Eliminators on his list. I like that pick a lot. That is Here's a great That is one of my favorites. Cronus, I always wondered what happened to him. Why he didn't quite go further. Another familiar pick, the Hollywood Blonde. <laughs> and we also have the recount. In particular, he wants to say mostly he's talking about Shannon Moore and Shane Helms, not Every Courageous. He didn't say nothing happened in Every Courageous, but I'll say it. And last but not least, I like this pick a lot, Christian York and Joey Matthews of ECW. Wow. <laughs> another good list. All right, my brother brings us another list this week. He's got The Revival, The Ascension, the Rockers, The Natural Disasters, and Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. And I got to say, the only group I think I'd have to disagree with is only The Natural Disasters because Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel should have been so much more being like sons of wrestlers and having the talent that they have. 
Obviously, we've made a case for the Rockers. And the Ascension were so badass in NXT and then almost got neutered the second they came to Raw. I'm going to put your brother over. I actually think even though we're not going to see as many votes, that might have been the best list in terms of teams who actually didn't reach their full potential because there were a lot of teams that didn't really get the pushes there. I would even argue the natural disasters, given their time period, given their size, and considering both men, especially well, at least Earthquake was in a main event program with Hulk Hogan. Sorry, I'm going to make a prediction here. Dave's list is coming up. I'm predicting Young Stallion, and I'm predicting Kai and Ty. Just make a no prediction guy. ahead. <laughs> I predict pain. Go ahead. Go back to what you were saying. All right, I'll, I'll bring you my list. Dave, you bring us your list, and then AJ can round us out today. I've got The Revival, The Rockers, Doom. I've got Shelton Benjamin, but I've got his team with Brock Lesnar because they did a little time in OVW, and imagine if that Minnesota stretching crew made its way to the main roster. They'd be just an unstoppable tag team. And then you've got American Alpha to round out my top five. Absolutely. Good call. Okay. My list, a familiar one, the skyscraper. I thought Sid and Spivey just were awesome, had great looks, and for whatever reason, you know, they didn't keep them together. Uh, uh, so, I also Mark, had, so Mark Callis sucks? No, I'm not talking about Mark Callis. I'm talking about Sid and Spivey. All yeah, right. I know. Everybody keeps talking about Sid and Spivey. Everybody keeps freaking not mentioning Mark Callis like he just sucks. No, it was just that I think Sid and Spidey was the original. That's the one you think of. I don't know. Yeah, I, I get it. Everybody likes the blondes better than the freaking redheaded bastard. I get it. We, we like the original. <laughs> All right. Doug Furnace and Phil Lafon also made my list because I think they could have been more. All right. Also, Joey, Doom. I'm glad you reminded me of that because I almost forgot to put them down and I was going to put them there earlier. Simmons and Reed, great look, great team. And they've been in another era not competing with the Steiner brothers, the Road Wars, and the Samoan SWAT team. Their run might have lasted even longer. Also, Iron Anderson and Bobby, who held the tag title, but in my opinion, were one of the best tag teams ever. And it's a damn shame from a technical standpoint, they didn't have multiple tag team title reigns and been on top longer. So Iron and Bobby, one of the best teams, I think, could have been even more. And uh, last but not least, I uh, also had the uh, Rockers because I thought Marty and Sean were tremendous, and I thought they should have had a long run instead of these tag titles. All right, we're looking at you, AJ. Yeah, All right, so uh, this is an easy one. i got to start off with the McGuire twins. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. First ones on my list were actually the Rougeau brothers. I think the Rougeau brothers were ahead of their time. Their tag team skills and the way that they actually communicated and worked together in the ring was on par with other teams of their generation, like the Heart Foundation and the British Bulldogs. And I don't feel that they ever got the legitimate push that they really deserve. Is it because they, they worked in French? Tag team. Uh, it could be, but they were just a true heel tag team, and I would have liked to have seen them have a championship run. So I don't. They, I think they get overlooked. They were no Quebecers. Uh, who is, though? <laughs> My number two one on the list is going to be a surprise to some people. It's going to be a surprise to you. You're making it up right now. <laughs> Brody and Hanson. Brody and Hanson got broken up by Bill Watts because he wanted them to be singles wrestlers, and they never actually got the opportunity to really get the push that I think they could have been a monster tag team for God knows how long. 
another one for me is actually Gordy and Williams. I hmm. think Steve Williams and Terry Gordy had they had a WWE run with their hard hitting style. Obviously, similar to Lafon and Furnace, who were huge in Japan, they were gods in Japan. But if they had had more of a WWE run, I think that they could have been one of the biggest tag teams of all time. Also, I agree with Doom. I think that Doom had they not broken up too soon were just absolutely tremendous athletes and could have been incredible. I think their best run, to be honest with you, is with women leading them. When you had that sex appeal and then you had the team, absolutely outstanding. And then my last tag team is actually Amish Roadkill and Danny Doran. Hmm. I think they were a tremendous tag team, and I would have liked to have seen them with a run in a major market. I think that they were not utilized when the WWE bought a, had the opportunity to bring in ECW guys, and I think that that's a tag team that could have went over. I just got one thing to say. Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> How's that for making up a list on the fly, motherfuckers? <laughs> that's not bad, all right? I just want to say, too, I want to say <laughs> one more thing, too. I feel so bad for uh, poor Bruiser Broke and Stan Hansen getting those singles run. Boy, Bill Roth is really out of his mind. That didn't work out for those guys at all, huh? Yeah, but I'm it's still... No money. Hey, Rod Simmons uh, from Doom went on to win the freaking world title. I'm sure he's really crying about the breakup. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, so by my count, the Hollywood Blondes made quite a few lists. So did the Rockers. Who would you guys put in that third spot? Wow. I mean, I would would go Hollywood Blondes. Yeah, well, they're in. Uh, (laughs) To to me, the Rockers, even though they didn't win the championship of the WWE, (laughs) at least had an opportunity to be on the larger scale. They're also I don't think the Hollywood Blondes have the opportunity. <laughs> they're, they're both you know, in. He wasn't saying which one should move on. They're both automatically in. We're talking about who's going to be the third guy. Oh. <laughs> Thanks oh. for showing up today. Anyway, I'm going to say the skyscrapers, they made a lot of lists too. That's, that's the guy I would think. Or, AJ, I'll let you decide here. Let's redeem yourself. Skyscrapers. Or Furnace and LaFont, who should move on? Wow. I would go with the skyscrapers. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to ar- I wanted to argue with you, but you picked the one tag team I didn't want to pick. <laughs> All right. So it's the skyscrapers, the rockers, and the Hollywood blondes. Do I have to ask who's getting bounced first? Yeah, see you later, skyscrapers. <laughs> but since we're bouncing right. them first, let's give a little talk about why why we think they're so underrated. Because I know you, AJ, was making a push for the Mark Calloway version. But, like, Dave, what about mm-hmm. the skyscrapers to you? Like, what made you think they had potential? And then what? <clears throat> why do you think they just didn't live up to it? I'm not even sure I would have bounced them first, honestly. Uh, you're, I, you're, on your, you're on your mind. I think they had more potential. If you look at the word potential than any of these teams on here, Sid had a presence and a charisma about him that he headlined multiple WrestleManias. He's been a world champion in WCW and WWE. And still people talk about Sid like he didn't reach his full potential. Throw that with Dan Spivey, who also had the look and was a badass, who the road warriors, Went out. This is the Mark Calloway version. But they went out with the skyscrapers. Danny ended up beating them down with a chair. 
got stiff with them because the road warriors weren't taking them seriously or something was going on. And then in the back, he told Mark, be ready when the road warriors come out. And Mark Howey was like, holy shit, these are the road warriors. And they went back and they saw Dan Spivey, who took liberties with chair shots, and they said, thanks for the match, Dan. That was great okay. out there. All right, thank you for making my argument as to which skyscrapers was better. However, <laughs> however, Dan Spivey, as much of a badass as he was, was past his prime by that point, could barely freaking move, and, and was at, <laughs> getting ready for the tail end of his career. He was going to have a great run in WWE as Wailing Mercy. <laughs> you, you mean the three months that he was Wailing Mercy before he was too injured to wrestle again? <laughs> People's lives are going to be in Wailing Mercy. At, uh, however... The total run of the skyscrapers as a team, what they have, like three matches on freaking Clashes of Champions? Unfortunately, yes, because that's why they didn't live up to their potential, because it was robbed and then politically. They should have been further. Okay. Okay, so you're saying, so you're anyway, saying they had more potential. <laughs> Dave, so it's... I'm going to say, you're saying... It's not too often yeah, I'll pile on and tell you why you're wrong, Dave, but let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> the skyscrapers... Okay. If you want to talk about upfront potential, yes, they were giants and they should have had the whole wrestling world in front of them. But the Hollywood exactly. Blondes was Steve Austin and Brian Pillman. Hold on. The Rockers uh, is Shawn Michaels and a that dude that, that murdered a guy and then went on to success. You know, like. I almost about the Rockers. <laughs> That's what I was going to Dude, Marty Jannetty's still out there. He'll get, he'll get retribution, buddy. I'm not saying you, I was going to bounce the rock. But that was the team I was considering bouncing. That's what I wanted to discuss. Not the blonde. The blonde won this thing. <laughs> First of all, all you got to do for potential is put sit up against Sean. Sean mm. has a better career and better potential. Mario Gennetti versus Dan Spivey. Mario Gennetti, even after the Rockers broke up, still won the freaking Intercontinental title. <laughs> yeah. Damn shame they didn't put it on Spivey. All right, guys. We went from three to one because I feel like AJ just knocked it out of the park with his argument against Dave, and I don't say that often. And, I mean, obviously the Hollywood Blondes are going to win. They were one of those great WCW tag teams that, I mean, they should have had a better run. And you see what they did separately from there. So they went on to really good careers. And I want to say one thing Guys, I want to say one thing real quick about Brian Pillman because you talk about potential on this list. Out of all the tag team wrestlers we talked about on this list, Brian Pillman is probably the most underutilized because of that car accident and the injuries and then, of course, passing away young. He's probably the most underutilized potential of that whole list. And the fact that we don't know with his wrestling mind what he could have been makes easily the Hollywood Blondes the winner of this list. Well, that's a two-step of things, but anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you, you hear the music. You know what that means. The Hollywood Blondes Sorry. have taken it as the, the top fuck? team <laughs> that did not reach their potential. <laughs> and as always, thank you for joining us. If you're finding us on YouTube for the first time, like, subscribe, share. Shit, you're in India. Tell somebody that lives next door to you. We're a fan of you. Tie and tie. <laughs> Kai and I will never choppy, win it. Choppy, you guys have a good week. See week-end. you down Bye. the road. Working fans podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two.
back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, mate, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including Anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. Hello, this is Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express, and you are listening to the Working Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Working Fans Podcast with Dave and AJ, and today we got National Wrestling Alliance great, the one and only nine-time tag team champion with Robert Gibson, the ultimate babyface, Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. Ricky, how you doing, man? Man, uh, I'm doing real good, but thank you for having me on your show today. You know, it's just uh, another day at the office, my friend. Awesome. Awesome to hear, man. We'll just start right in the beginning. You trained with your father and a guy named Ken Lucas. So, Paul Morton, Ken Lucas, how was it breaking into business? Well, you know, coming from a wrestling family, uh, when, I, when I first started, you know, the whole business was different. Really sacred. Uh, it's hard. It was hard to get in. And, and don't wait just because my dad was a wrestler or a referee that that I had it easy in any way. Matter of fact, I think it was just a little bit harder. The same thing, you know, my son wants to be a wrestler, and it's hard to get your family into the business once you're in there. I mean, for certain people it is anyway. Uh, my dad, uh, he spent uh, all his life in the wrestling business. He wrestled in the 50s and 60s, and then uh, he refereed for uh, the Memphis Wrestling. It was and, uh, on his times when I broke into the business. Uh, he was mentioning, uh, earlier about Ken Lucas, but before that route, you know, I, went, I had a lot of them. You know, you, you learned, I was partners with a guy named Sonny King. Uh, ben Eddie Gilbert was partners uh, oh. before me and Ken Lucas were. Uh, yeah, Ben Eddie were in Oklahoma Territory together with Leroy McGurk. Skander Atmar was the booker. And then I left there and I went back to Memphis and that's when me and Ken Lucas teamed up. Kitty and I, we went to San Antonio for Southwest Championship Wrestling that was owned by Tully Blanchard's dad, Joe Blanchard. And then that's where I first met Tully. Matter of fact, him and Gino Hernandez were partners at that time. And then Ken Lucas did that. But you know, having, you know, and people a lot of times tell me, Ricky Morton, you're one of the greatest baby faces in the world. But, but, what people don't understand is they don't go back. They don't understand the history of professional wrestling. Ken Lucas is one of the greatest baby faces of all time in our business. He just never got the recognition. Nowadays, the people don't know him or knew who he is. Once you get a chance to check him out, go back in the days and uh, look up Ken Lucas. And man, I'm telling you, he'll really blow your mind in our business by telling a story the psychology in the ring. He was one of the best I ever learned from, man. And he was, to me, he was the greatest of all. Huh. 
Hi, Ricky. My name is AJ. I'm the co-host. I actually wrestled for 10 years. I trained with Adrian Street many, many years ago and then worked through a lot of the um, South and then up here in the Northeast. And I am like yourself. I'm, I'm going to be a little quieter than I normally am because to me, this is an opportunity to sit under the learning tree. It's the reason why I actually listen to the School of Morton podcast every week because quite frankly, everything that you say means so much. And I've watched old footage of you and Ken Lucas teaming up together and actually working matches. And I think one of the things that we're missing today is they don't tell the story. People don't work the body parts anymore. They don't work the crowd the same way. And the reason why you were such a great baby face, in my opinion, was just the sympathy that you drew from having those body parts worked over on you and the way you bumped your ass off in the ring. So, Ricky, I just want to say thank you for that and thank you for being on this podcast. Yeah, you know what, AJ? Thank you for mentioning that. And you see, I do have my lessons with you. And I try to tell people, this is really hard. Just this one simple thing. It's really hard to make the guys to understand that you do under, you got to understand our business before you can even do it. Matter of fact, I was at WrestleCade uh, back at Thanksgiving time, which we had, you know, what I'm saying is, but they had the night, on a Friday night, they had like a lot of the promoters brought some of their top guys in to wrestle. And, you know, I wasn't doing nothing. So I walked over to the Civic Center. And I was going to sit down and watch some of the matches. And it really just blew my mind. You know, the first match, I think it started out with Hurricane Carolina off the top rope and floor. <laughs> And then I'm thinking to myself, where the hell are you going to go from here? Nobody knows. And then, I, you know, after the second match, you know, I, they asked me, so where are you going? I said, dude, I feel like I'm watching Andy Griffith rerun. Every match is the same. You're all doing the same high spots. You're trying to outdo each other. And the one simplest thing that none of you have did all night, I haven't seen one of you grab a wrestling coat. Not a headlock, not an arm. Right. It's just like you got a playbook written on your arm, high spot number one, high spot number two, high spot number three, and, and none of it means nothing. You know, to the average wrestling fan that is today, you know, to them, I don't know. But if you go back in the era of, especially when we worked the Midnight Express and when we worked the, the Four Horsemen, Robert Nine, me, Russell, and Ric Flair, we told a story. Uh, you, know, but, you know, before, and this is really funny, you know, because we never... And I'm going back to the thing, uh, you know, I mean, I tell you a lot about how the business used to be. No, I didn't walk 20 miles barefooted in snow down. <laughs> no, uh, nothing like that. But what I'm saying is, is you know, the baby faces and heels never talked. You never seen that. Right. Uh, we were on separate sides of the, of the building. Matter of fact, you get fired if you didn't get close to a baby face or a heel because dude, our business was sacred. Nine out of ten times, unless you was at TV, but you didn't go in the back. All you got was a finish. Me and Robert walking to the ring is normally when we got our finish. And it wasn't this and you got to do that. It's, it's baby faces over or the hills over. That's all they told you. We'd go out and do our shows. But you see, it's just a different time, different place for our business. But if it, you know, entertainment part of it, like, you know, you watch WWE and you watch these right here. And sometimes, to me, I really get lost just wondering what they're going to do next. And what I really blows my mind is, is I wonder if a lot of people have got really, really serious, seriously hurt more than what they are. And it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. It, it's really going to happen. I'm, uh, because the guys don't know how to take care of each other no more. I see them on there sometimes just 
kick the brains out. There's no need for that. If you know how to work in our business, you don't have to do that. And that it's something's going to have to change somewhere around the time. And, and when it does, that's when Ricky Morton's going to step in. <laughs> you know, uh, to let these guys understand, they know it's more to our business uh, than, you know, I, I was watching TV other night, and I, and I told my wife, and I said, well, this guy here is fixing to do a big something really spectacular. She said, how you know? I said, there's 20 guys on the floor going to catch it. Right, so, right. Uh, yeah, man, and uh, it's the thing that's just changed. You know, how you doing what guys? And I, I know that y'all asked the question. No, 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 please, Ricky. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I was just going to uh, mention. You know, I, you know, the new year, 2020, but, man, 2019, and, and if you go back to, to you see NWA and you see that, but last year, I think, Robert and I, at me being 63 years old, had one of the greatest years we had in business. Right. You yeah. Know, I was never on a contract. Never had a contract in my life. Made a lot of people rich. And this is what some, nobody understands. I, uh, you know, I stood up to the boys in my day. And it's not the guys in my era or the guys after that. It's the guys right now in our business that respect what Robert and I have done. It, 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 I don't know. You know, a lot of times, you, you know, I have, I have, I try to get a job as a big company. So, not to wrestle, but to work in the back. And it's like I'm a threat to a lot of people. But when you go into the today, when they call us in, it, it's, it's so much respect that these young kids that don't have to, that show Robert and I some of the greatest respect. And they listen to a lot of things that, that uh, I'm talking about. Uh, I just, uh, I'm hoping that 2020, the top. 2019, especially being at the age I am, because I'm not here in this business to, to prove a point. I'm not here to be somebody that I'm not. I still depend on wrestling for a living. Like you said, dude, I, my biggest year in the wrestling business was $125,000, and that was in 1985. Hmm. I'm hoping to see that's what I'm saying. And I think that Robert and I did. I, I knew, knew we paid the rules because I wanted, back in 1985 and 86, I knew that our wrestlers business, some of our people could be as famous as some of these great football players or great athletes in our business and what it come to. But see, we got left behind because I'm the one that took the heat for everybody. You know, I, I mean, and I did. I, I told promoters, I well, I stuck up for the boys. And, I, and But a lot of it is too, but it's, I didn't, it's my fault because I didn't, I wasn't... Uh, Political? I go back over again and get my education. Get my education a lot better. I wasn't educated enough to know what was really going on, but I was educated enough to know that I fought for the boys. Yeah. To get them where they're at today. It's funny, like you were saying, it almost seems like wrestling reflects society in a way. Everybody is nicer and more respectful on one hand, which is really nice. Like, in a sense, I think you do have a lot more understanding in the world now than you did maybe years ago. But on the flip side of that, everything is so fast paced. And, you know, like, you watch a TV series, now you can watch a whole season in, like, you know, one sitting. You can just spend, all, like, Netflix will just down you a whole load, a whole series. And I feel like, wrestling is kind of that way too it's just everything is like fast fast and there's all this crazy stuff happening like you said but when i was a kid i was more glued to it because you know you only had wrestling once a week tv a lot of enhancement matches maybe you get one big main event match and then you had to go to the arena or buy a pay-per-view and it just meant more because you had to wait there wasn't so much of it yeah but you know what and, and i thought about the same thing but if these guys would 
slow down a little bit, stood up, making something happen. Everything happened in one night. Yeah. You know, read a great book. You know, you read a great book, but if normally when you write a book, you write the finish first. You know, the ending of the book is written before the rest of the book is. So uh, if they could sit down and just work, keep you interested in that whole program like a book does until you get to the finish. But now it, it, it seems like they just, they're trying to, I mean, they write the whole book in one night. And if it ain't working, they change to something else. That's just my opinion. You know, uh, opinion is like your ass. Everybody's got one. <laughs> right, well, right. Well, Rick, I think it also goes yeah, back to you know, back to what you were talking about. When you were talking before, you mentioned the fact that you'll watch the first match and you see somebody doing one of those super hurricanrana flippity flu things in the first match. And you don't go to a movie or a book and see the biggest action happen in the first match, the second match. Back in the good old days, and I love to say that, when wrestling was wrestling and not sports entertainment, what we did was we built matches and built up a storyline to the main event. You weren't trying oh, to yes. you weren't trying to have Well, you know, when I <laughs> when I started in the business, like well, you know, when I first went to Memphis Territory and guys you know, the Memphis Territory was the hottest wrestling bed ever in its time when you had territories. Memphis Coliseum, you know, they would every Monday night and it was sold out. Every Tuesday, Louisville, you know, Wednesday, Evansville, but these buildings, you know, we didn't, it's like they get come to your town once a year, they sold out every week. Could you imagine WWE coming to the same town every Monday night and doing Monday night wrong? Sure. Right. <laughs> How many people would you have out in the crowd? Oh, yes. Okay. It ain't going to happen. By that yeah. week, you'd be able to throw a hand grenade in there. It wouldn't hurt nobody. Right. They're but having trouble selling out doing what they're doing. But but what I'm trying to say is now, in the business, when I was in Memphis, if you were in the first match, you you never do a punch. You worked a headlock. Second match, maybe the arm. Third match, maybe that. Then you had your semi-main event, which was an angle on TV, maybe a tag team. And then you had your main event, Lawler or Dundee, whatever it was. And that's just the way it was. You know, even in my wrestlers, because I, I try to teach these guys, and I just mentioned this. Even right now, if you watch me wrestle, even though I'm in there, I will always start my match off just to work up for me to ball my fist up. And, you know, instead of me just going in the ring, my fist up, throwing punches, doing it, I, you know, I will go to two or three things where I'm outsmarting the hill, then the hill does something mean or cheese. And it gives me a reason just just to ball my fist up. And to try to make people understand that, yeah, man, it's, gosh, I'm better off winning a lottery, I guess. <laughs> uh, but it's, we have, uh, but don't get me wrong, dude. I mean, uh, I absolutely adore this business. I mean, I love it. There's nothing, you know, that is said. You know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Absolutely. Well, that's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, <laughs> but, that's good to know. That's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I tell I told somebody the other day, man, I says, I wrestle for free. I get paid for traveling. Right. And I, yeah, I do. I mean, I love my business. And, you know, it's and it's hard, you know, along the road. You know, in, in 95, when you work for territories, you never had a day off. Uh, and I'm serious. Uh, I, I can remember the times that Rick and I, man, we, you know, I think 17 days in a row we went an hour time limit. And that was two on Saturday and two on Sunday. Not counting the TV on Saturday morning. <laughs> but, you know, it's just the, the way it was. I mean, that's the way territories were fought. And you got paid by 
how many butts you put in the seats. And you, and you got paid. You know, the boys depended on you. Uh, you know, I didn't work main event just because I was there, you know, and I, I learned, let me tell you something, dude. I might, you know, Dusty Rhodes was a booker, and I learned so much from Dusty. It's unbelievable. And one day I'll be able to have my ability, somebody will hire me to show what I know in this business. But don't get me wrong, we wasn't, we didn't always get along together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We had our, we had our pluses, but you know, I gotta, I gotta say that it was great because we all depended on each other. I got to tell you, before I forget, I want to get this out. I'm 43 years old, and I saw you, Russell, you know, as a young man. But I can't believe I've seen you live twice, and it was both in 2019. (laughs) I saw you at at an independent show at Beyond Wrestling in New Japan. So when you talk about still going strong, like, it's it's crazy, man. man, What show did you see me at New Japan? The Mask Show. Yeah, man, that was really cool up there that night. We wrestled Chase Owens. Yep. Yep. And uh, this guy, you know, Chase is one of my students from my school. Yeah, school uh, Chase is uh, one of the few and far between. He has a good thing going in Japan, but uh, man, he can work a match. So unbelievable. <laughs> uh, and tell that story, but but I took a lot of time with him. Yeah. Uh, but thank you. You know what? That's really cool, and I hope you get to see the more. You know, we, uh, New Japan's got to be back here. At, we, we were going to be formed the 24th, but we got to do NWA. We have to do a whole other season of taping, 24th, 25th, and 26th. But then we leave straight from there, we go to New Japan shows again. Matter of fact, I think we're going to be in Raleigh, Miami, and uh, Nashville, Atlanta. Now, Ricky, I'm looking forward to that. R- huh? Ricky, how do you feel about the NWA being back? Is that got to be exciting? Yeah, it is. And it's another thing, you know, stop and think about this. It's not me trying to be something that I'm not. Like I'm keep repeating myself. Mm-hmm. When they tell us it's going to put the belts on us, I, I really was spectacle of it. But then I didn't understood what they were doing, okay? Man, you keep watching this series because I don't give spoiler words, but it works into where me and Nick Addis has a match. It's really cool. I want you guys to watch that. Now. Oh, yeah. We've been watching every week. We saw this Tuesday. We saw you come down at the end and you stole the show. Yeah. With your just the altercation. Yes. And, uh, and you see, uh, and this is what really listen to this right here. It's like those guys that worked there. You know, Wild Card Thomas. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes. See, a lot of people just don't understand how good he is. And you, and you see, it's not what he does, it's what he don't do when I get in the ring with him. This is my talk, I really don't like, you know, and I'm still, I still can't say he bro, I ain't bullshit. I, uh, I still believe in my business, but there's some things that he does in the, in the ring with me that makes me look like I'm 19 years old, because he knows, and I, and I, and I didn't have to tell him. That's what I like about it, it's what our business is missing today, and a lot of you guys, everybody listen, it ain't what you do, it's what you don't do, and uh, it's the greatest things in the world. Keep watching NWA, because it's only it's better, I promise you it does, they have a lot of great talent on there, guys, a lot of great talent, and I love to sit in the back and just watch them. They do a lot of great things on there, and, and, and I don't know how far to go, but I no. hope it lasts forever, because right now it's a great, great show, great ratings and I know that uh, their pay-per-view they was hoping for this much and it's six they got six times that oh nice so I thought it was good yes Ricky one of the things that I appreciate that you're doing 
is that you don't go too far into it and that you do keep some of the mystique that is the wrestling. Um, having worked for the 10 years, one of the things that I told these guys when we started the podcast was, is that I will never go into exactly what we do, what kind of things we communicate with each other, how we do things in the ring. And the reason why I don't do that is because at the end of the day, it's like a great magician. You don't go to a magic show wanting to know how to do the trick. You go to a magic show to be entertained. And if we tell everybody every little thing that we do and how we do it, it takes away from the wrestling that we love so much. Yeah, but you, but you, but you see, man, nowadays everywhere you go, and, and I hate this, guys walk up to you and they think that they're giving you the wrestler's handshake. Oh, they God, I hate that. Damn, <laughs> they don't have a damn clue what it even means. <laughs> and they look at you like, like I post a, look here, buddy. You, you don't have a clue what you just did to me. Yes. Uh, you don't, you don't, you don't even understand what that means. And whoever told you what that means, or they're the ones that trained you, they have no business even training you. I agree. I meet a lot of guys. You know, and, and, if, and if you're in wrestling or being a professional wrestler, you have to go to somebody that knows what they're doing, how to train you. You just can't go out and talk to people all the time. Who trained you, so-and-so? Where the hell is this place at? What's this guy's name? I never even heard of him before. What's he doing training you? What company do you ever work for? And it's, you know, it's nothing. And and then they expect to get in the ring with me, and it don't happen. But, you know, every now and then, buddy, I, I hit the lottery. I get in the ring with, with some guys that are really phenomenal. And, I, and I'm going to say one of them right now is Santana and uh, Ortiz, you know, the oh, yeah. LEX that used to be. Well, and uh, I'm going to keep paying my business, too, but I'm going to tell you this. There, uh, there's two guys. They, wherever they got and wherever they go and they deserve it. They are absolutely phenomenal in the ring. Wow. And it's, it, yeah, and I'm serious. The great matter of fact is, I guess, are the ones who put Robert and I back on the map, really, to tell you the truth. And I, I don't have, uh, I'm not ashamed to say that. They're a real big deal in AEW, which uh, next Wednesday night I will be back. Oh, no kidding. Awesome. Uh, on, yeah, next next Wednesday night so I'll be back on AEW. I'm looking forward to going there because what I'm saying to you is the guys now that still take care of Robert now. Because and what I was telling you earlier, I don't know if I'll finish it, I still depend own wrestling to make a living, guys. Right, and, right. and I do. And as I was telling you earlier, I just not, not be being on TV trying to be something that I'm not. It's just the only thing I know. Like, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't have a doctor's degree. I, you know, I barely have a high school education. But wrestling, I have a PhD in. And these guys, these days, and then, and that's what I appreciate. They're the ones that take care of us. NWA, all these guys, and they, and they treat me with the most up right respect that you could ever imagine, fellas. And don't think I don't ever appreciate that and don't think that, that before I leave that building, I'll let everybody in that building know how I feel. Meet a lot of young guys with a lot of great talent on the independent circuit. But our business is not based on, which I'm going back to the Russians, because it's not based on what you do. It's just being at the right place at the right time. And, and being at the right place at the right time is when somebody asks you to do something, you know how to do it. There's no questions asked. There's nothing that you know what they're talking about and know how to do it because that's how you get our jobs. You know, I was, same thing I was saying, people like me and people like it in our wrestling business. I even say this, even Hunter Henson, he even watched him. He, he can know if you know how to work or not. 
But see, you don't go in a ring and start the match off with a Hurricane Karana. You understand me? I can look at guys and tell them if they know how to work or not. I look at guys and tell them if I'm going to do anything that night because I don't want them to hurt me. You know, I, I still got to wrestle next weekend to pay my bills. And uh, that's just the way, uh, I don't know what track I got off on, but... Ricky, speaking of being in the right place at the right time, we did an interview yeah. earlier today with um, Nikita Koloff, and yeah. he was telling us a story, and he didn't tell us the full story because he said you tell the story much better than he does, where as a very green and young Nikita was in the ring for the, one of his first couple matches that he got oh, to no, wrestle. No, no, I, the- can take it, I can take it over from here. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I can take it. I know exactly where you're going. To uh, right. Robert and I, there, you know, at the time when we come in NWA, Nikita was there, but he hadn't been yet to be in a ring to work and learn our business. It takes you a long time. We was doing most of the work with Barry Dorso and Ivan Koloff, and uh, here comes Nikita in the ring. And is it all right to say? I mean, I, I have said a couple of bad words. You Ricky, can you can out. say oh, anything you say whatever you want. want. Yeah, anything. That's all good. Uh, I get in the ring, I start to match off with Nikita, I lock up with him and say, this is the part about training. He had, <laughs> God, man, he had butted me so hard, I almost knocked me out. <laughs> and I went, holy crap. You know, and I rubbed my head, I went, okay, uh, accident. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, then I locked up with him again, head butted me again. Oh. Uh, holy crap. And maybe I'll tell you another good story, but uh, <laughs> remind me another one. That butted me again, and I walked through, I was rubbing my head, and I walked over to Robert, and I said, Robert, and I said, pull this big son of a bitch off me. <laughs> <laughs> I went to lock up with him again. When he do, I, I put my elbow up there, and it hit him in the eye, and it split his eye wide open. Oh, man. He was cussing, hollering, and screaming, and fighting, blah, blah, blah. But then when I locked up with him the third time, he had that head all the way back. He didn't, uh, didn't headbutt me no more. Right. <laughs> I hope that's the one he told you. Oh, yes. Yeah, so. uh, another one like that, uh, Johnny, at uh, this time, you know, this is uh, LBJ. He used to wrestle with Johnny Hawk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When we first broke into business. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's when we were at, for Crockett. That's when he moved to Dallas. Took, you know, NWA went to Dallas after WCW and bought him out. So, you know, all that stuff. So, forgot me and Robert worked with him and, and somebody and he told you know I'm not a, that kind of guy I'm not a cause he's a big bad dude you hear me <laughs> uh, so I told him I said snatch the hell I said, give me a big towel well buddy he hit that rope and he hit me so hard that I it, it damn near knocked me through the ropes to the floor and the same thing I uh, rolled back in the ring I told Robert I said come in here and pull this son of a bitch off me <laughs> And I told him, I says, he got me as a turnbuckle. And I said, man, give me a turnbuckle. Come charge as fast as you can. And when he come charge as fast as he can, I come out of that turnbuckle and I hit him hard as I can. <laughs> right in the mouth. <laughs> but boom. But you see, he's a big, tough, bad guy. And then when I hit him real hard, he, he looked at me so pitiful. And he goes, what did you do that for? <laughs> and, I, and I looked at him. I went, because I said, well, because I'm just a dumb son of a bitch, I guess. I'm just, <laughs> here, I'm just, because he didn't face it. You understand me? And he goes, was that a receipt? 
I says, yeah, I think so. Then I walked over to Tag Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but uh, if you ever see you ever see him, ask him about that. I mean, it's really a great story. Awesome. <laughs> cool. One other thing I wanted to ask you, too, because you were talking about your school and you talked about training people thing. Uh, we had Al Snow on here uh, about a couple months ago, and he runs a school down uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he was telling us the same thing, basically, that there's a lot of people who probably shouldn't be training today, and that back in the day that you were a reflection of where you came from, that he said if he did anything wrong, even to this day, like he would hear about it from his trainer, and you'd get blackballed. So, what, see, my day, what the, I worked the territory. Yeah. And I, I'm talking about guys like him were tough. Gypsy Joe, all them guys. They would give you uh, one spot, and if you mess it up, it, they didn't hurt you, but they just ate your lunch. Hmm. They trapped you hard. They hit you across the back hard. And you didn't get another one. Another spot. You hear me? Yeah. And that's the same thing. That's the way, that's the way you did learn. I said a lot of crazy stuff in this business. Uh, but, you know, when you was one in, in the business, you know, he didn't try to hurt you, but they try to make you learn. And yeah, and, you know, it, it's like me when I send some of my guys out. See, it's my responsibility to make them do that. You know, uh, matter of fact, one of my guys went to Al Snow's ring of bonder. His name's Luscious Lawrence. You get a chance to check him out. He's unbelievable. He's going to be one. He's going to be a superstar in our business. You know, I, I have a, a little school down here in Chucky, Tennessee, out in the middle of nowhere where we train three times a week. But it's for the boys, you know, they go for me. And I, I was glad that he went to Ohio Valley to get out because uh, he gets more exposure. And if you guys get a chance, man, uh, maybe, uh, you know what, We're probably this Sunday we have a live show. On YouTube, I have a lot of shows on YouTube. I'll just go to Morton. We do a lot of stuff on there, man. We have our own production. We have, matter of fact, we come on CWTV Eastern Time every Saturday at 12.30. We do a lot. I have a lot of good guys there that, you know what, man, and I just, I, and I just want them to live out their dreams. Even if they don't make it, I can give them a chance because my thing is to teach them about no matter what you become or what you do, is to never give up. When I first broke into business, I was told that I would ne- never make it in the business. I was too small, which at the time, wrestling was different. You know, you, you didn't have the big bodybuilder guys, which, which you did, a few of them, but a lot of them were four or 500 pounds, just big old guys. And mm-hmm. you see, our, our business did change for the best because that. Because nowadays, even though we're our entertainment, Dude, if you're not in physical shape, if you're not a real professional athlete, you're not going to make it five minutes in the ring. You have to train, you know. Uh, I guess, AJ, you you can understand it. You have to train to take bumps. You just yeah. can't go in the ring and do... You know, I, I have guys that come into my school every now and then. You, you know, you, you'll have a prick that walks in there that <laughs> thinks he knows everything, and I want to be a professional wrestler. And I, I, I says, okay, really? Yeah, I, I can get not to do this. Anybody get this. Oh, and, Jesus. Uh, and, and I don't know, and that, you know, I just tell myself, I just roll in the ring, and I just want you to hit the ropes 20 times. <laughs> okay. And I know, and if you're a wrestler, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yes. And you never hit them ropes. Look here, about Ooh. that eighth time he hit it, he, ran, he rolled out of the ring, grabbed his phone, he says, oh, I have an emergency, I gotta go. <laughs> and uh, he's... Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you got to go, so. <laughs> Back to what you were talking about, Ricky. When I trained with Adrian Street, he had that old-fashioned mentality of training, and it was a good way of training that he would give me 
he would teach me the holds and he would teach me obviously how to take bumps and stuff of that nature. But if I didn't do holds right with him, he would sink it in a little deeper on me or he would change the angle a little bit. And next thing you know, I was hooting and hollering like a little schoolgirl. <laughs> and I'm 6'3", 280 pounds. Yeah, you ever heard about the dungeon from Stu Hart? Oh yeah. Oh God. Oh yes. You know, I have a dungeon in my school, but I don't use it for that. You know, the world's changed now. I'm planning on yeah, this I, year. I, you know, Adrian, you know, and, and everybody that know, you know, Adrian was a tough guy. And I'm telling you what, Linda was tougher than him. Oh, oh we heard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. His, his wife. I absolutely love Adrian. Having gone out for era. drinks with the two of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was in the era where I got to work with him a lot in Memphis and in Louisiana. Adrian's the only guy in the world I know that can make, can work your cheek. He's <laughs> doing a match. You ever did that to you? Oh, God, yes. Uh, AJ, oh, yeah, oh absolutely. Some of the greatest stuff in the world that nobody even imagined that made it different. I'll, I'll tell uh, you, uh, people thought that I was making up some of the stuff that I told them about my training with Adrian Street. And then the WWF did that special this year on Adrian Street. And he talked about the stuff yeah. that he did that these guys didn't realize that he had done. And they're like, holy shit, you were telling the truth. Because they couldn't believe oh, yes. he did that. And, you know, you, know, you have that. <laughs> You know that over in England and all that place, Acre Street, man, he was one of those guys, you know, he was a killer. You know, I first met Acre, did he ever tell you about the Russian pretzel hoax? Oh, God. Please. Oh, oh. oh. And that just a nightmare. Oh, my God, I'm having flashbacks. Well, this is what I call it, the Russian pretzel hoax, because, you know, once uh, Adrian put it on you, you, you couldn't get out of it. And Adrian did. He got it on me, and then I got out of it. And he asked me, he says, how did you get out of it? I said, well, first of all, Adrian, when you put that on me, I looked up and I said, a big set of balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what you do when you bite your own nuts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, oh. But no, uh, guys, I hope that nobody else. No, please, oh, awesome. Ricky. When he put me in it, it was like being in there with a boa constrictor. <laughs> the more I tried to fight, the farther I felt yeah. like I was trapped. You know what? When he said, when I, I, I left the part out, I told, when I, he said, how'd you get out of us? Is when I looked up at that Russian pretzel hold, I said, big set of balls. Mm -hmm. and, I, and then I said, it's amazing what you do when you bite your own nuts. Uh, you know? Oh, <laughs> oh goodness. Oh. Adrian, I have a lot of a lot of good times with Adrian. We, you know, we worked territories together. You had to take care of each other. You know, if I was hurt, we couldn't do things. And when you was working on top of the territory, you know, it's a whole different standard because you got to carry the territory. Make sure that the people believe in what you're doing. Seeing me, even at being 63, when I go to the ring, I try, unless, you know, you read a, but I try to make the people believe what I'm doing. And that's, that's the secret of our business too. When I sell, if I can convince the guy on the front row that whatever the heel's doing to me, that's what's really happening. And that's when you learn. If you're out there and you're a good heel and you're a good baby face, you can actually learn how to sell one punch better than you can 47. You can sell one kick better than you can 300. And you guys know where I'm going to from. Right. This. Absolutely. Uh, it's just too much. You know, in real life, if you stomp me in the head 30 times, I'm not getting up. No. Not today, not tomorrow, not next week. Watch an MMA fight. <laughs> I said, I was saying, watch an MMA fight. That's not how that works. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I got you, gentlemen. Yeah. Hey, uh, I know that uh, I'll be able to interview with you fellas. Uh, yep. Anything quick you want to ask me earlier? Because uh, 
I'm gonna I'm going to Pitcher Forge to meet my wife. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And then we're get up early in the morning, and I gotta go to Durham, North Carolina. What's that? I, it's a no problem. We only had two more things actually. Yeah, we we're gonna ask you uh, if you got any great road stories, and then if there's anything else you want to talk about your school or promote. Yeah, I got a lot of a lot of great road stories. But, uh, <laughs> I probably cost a lot of divorces. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just pick one you can tell. <laughs> well, off my bat right now, I don't know. No, but we did a lot of things on the road together. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I tell you, the first time I ever went into uh, Louisiana for Bill Watts, that's when Jim Duggan and Magnum TA were there. And, dude, there's a place called the Lighthouse in Alexandria. And they told me it was real asshole. Me and Robert, that's where we lived at in Alexandria. And we got into tear off that night. And I walk in, I see... Uh, it's Hatsall Jim Duggan. I see Magnum T.A. He went to the best, and all of a sudden, something happened. And I seen a guy come running by with a tar or two in his hand, <laughs> and Magnum T.A. was chasing him. <laughs> but oh. he hit Magnum in the back of the head, that tar or but he's chasing him. And then I look up, and here comes, it's like, man, what they would film in a movie. Jim Duggan is on the hood of a truck. Huh. Oh, Jesus. Holding on to it, and they're going across the park a lot, 100 miles an hour. The guy hits his brakes. Jim Duggan comes off of it, rows about six times, and the guy's got the truck in reverse, and Jim Duggan's chasing the truck. That was my first night in the Louisiana <laughs> Territory. <laughs> wow. What? <laughs> yeah, that was close. I have some really good stories I could tell, but I just don't like telling them on the podcast. No, 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 no problem. No problem. Okay. These... <laughs> Yeah, we we don't we don't want to get anybody in trouble, Ricky. <laughs> no, no, no. What, what, what is the second question? Actually, is there anything uh, you want to promote your school or whatever? Go right for it. Oh yeah, man! Please, I love seeing you guys. Everybody out there, you guys too. Just go on Facebook, School of Morton, and check it out. Go through it. Everything there's done is really great. And for a guy with no education, check it out. We do everything there at our school. Another thing, if you're interested, I'm in a babyface Ricky Morton on Instagram. A lot of places, you see a lot of good stuff on there. I'm always, you know, I'm always at the back doing a lot of good stuff. And then regular Facebook, Ricky Morton. This weekend, I'm going to, tomorrow night, I'll be in Durham, North Carolina. I'll be in Spartanburg, the legendary home of NWA, buddy. One of our greatest places that we ever wrestled at. And then uh, next Wednesday, guys, I'll be back at AEW every Tuesday night on YouTube, or you'll see uh, NWA wrestling. And, buddy, it's it's old school wrestling. Y'all check it out. I really love being a part of that company. Matter of fact, I love being a part of all the companies because it used to be around the boys. The boys is what I stood up for all my life. And that's who I am. I love being around them. And if you guys get a chance to come and see us again, please come. We'll do. And uh, tell me who you are. And I'll take you to back and show you some things that you never even thought about. Okay? <laughs> that Ricky, sounds that great. sounds fantastic. Rick, Ricky, we really hey, appreciate Thank you all for having me on your show. And, and God, yeah, and to me, I'm, uh, I just tell you, uh, I believe in God. And y'all, God bless you. And, and, and be careful through that. I hope this. Uh, 2020 is going to be great to you. Yes. And uh, just take it for what it's worth and never take a day for granted. But, okay, know what's going to happen tomorrow. Guys, thank you for listening to the 531 here on YouTube this week. If you like what you hear, you can always find us on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and on the Apple Podcast where you can subscribe and also give us a five-star rating. We appreciate you listening. We want your feedback, 531. And if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, we also want you to let us know. And let us know what your 531 would be. Come up with a top five and let us know, and we'll tell you why you're wrong. And 
And in order for us to do that, please contact us on Twitter. We're at Fans Working. Facebook page, Working Fans Wrestling Pod. Email WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. It's very important that you actually contact us on these platforms because we want this to be your interactive place to talk wrestling. Hey there, wrestling fans. This is AJ Strangebrew. And I'm coming to you from the Working Fans Podcast, the only podcast by the fans, for the fans, where we get the interviews that you want to listen to, along with the discussions of the topics that are important to you as a wrestling fan. So tune in every Thursday for the number one podcast of the fans, the Working Fans Podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere that you tune in for your favorite podcasts.